Greetings once again. This is Gary Zacharias with the Apologist Bookshelf. I want to go back to uh, one of my favorites. It's a book called To Everyone an Answer. I've already done an earlier podcast on this. And the point of this book is the Christian worldview today faces such aggressive opposition. And uh, sometimes you need a book that just point by point uh, talks about the Christian faith and how it can be defended. And so this book covers things like faith and reason, arguments for God's existence, the case for Jesus, problem of evil, and so on. And what impressed me about it, and I probably mentioned it before, is just some of the authors that are in here. William Lane Craig, Ben Witherington, Gary Habermas, Ron Nash, J.P. Moreland, Doug Groteis, Francis Beckwith. Um, see if there's any more that... Uh, Craig Hazen, yeah, I knew there was another one there. William Dembski. Paul Copan, Doug Guyvet. Well, anyway, great authors. And uh, I wanted to go to chapter three because it ties in with Greg Kokel very well with his Stand to Reason organization, especially his emphasis on good tactics. And uh, this is actually a chapter called Tactics Applying Apologetics to Everyday Life. So those of you that uh, look at Kokel's material or listen to his podcast, I highly recommend them. This is really pretty much what he does in his book, Tactics, and talking about how Christians can engage the culture around them. And he starts off by saying apologetics has had kind of a questionable reputation among people that are not huge fans. And uh, they sound, a lot of people think those are fighting words when you say we're going to defend the faith. And they picture, you know, fixed bayonets and fire and uh, harshness and conflict and fighting. And they said, well, there's another problem that Coco mentions that effective apologetics in the 21st century says, okay, you got the right answers, but you're dealing with postmodernists that ignore the facts and just yawn and walk away. He says, yeah, but sometimes they don't walk away and they think they know a few things, so they'll stand there and fight and then the Christians go into this battle and all of a sudden they're under uh, attack and there's a barrage and they're caught off balance and, and the Christian ends up walking away from this. So Kokel says, I suggest a more excellent way. Jesus said, when you find yourself that you're a sheep among wolves, you better be innocent, but be shrewd. So he says, we need to be tactical. So we've got to learn, he says, to artfully manage the details of dialogue when we interact with people. He says, that doesn't mean we have to use tricks. Uh, we're not trying to be a slick uh, operator here, but just clever ways to exploit somebody else's bad thinking to try to help them come to the truth of Christianity. So he says, he likes what he calls the Columbo tactic. And he says, if you think about that guy on the television show, the old show, kind of a bumbling, inept detective, who says, do you mind if I ask you a question? And all of a sudden he's on his way and he starts moving the conversation with questions that point out some weaknesses. So he says, instead of making assertions, try asking questions. If you hit a roadblock, Kokel says, then ask a good question. And it becomes second nature. And he quotes from Hugh Hewitt, who's a secular radio talk show host. Now, Hewitt's a Christian, but he's on a secular radio station. And, he's, and Hewitt says the habit of asking questions will give you advantages in every setting. He says you're going to leave with more information. Actually, you'll, you'll end up with more friends than when you arrived. He says it allows you to control the situations that people that make statements rarely achieve. So you're going to guide a conversation. He said there are a lot of ways to do it. He said, uh, it's a non-preaching way, which is really nice. You don't really state your case. And this is the key part. 
the question that you ask is putting the burden of proof on the other person where it often belongs because they may be the ones who are making the claim. So he says it's really powerful. He said, when I ask questions, I'm trying to gain information. I'm trying to reverse the burden of proof, put it on the person who's made a a claim. Or he says, maybe exploit a weakness that I see. So he says the first question is something like, what do you mean by that? So you're just asking for clarification to see if you understand what the other person says. You see, he said you just say it in a mild way and no pressure. And then Coco gives some examples. I think they're really good examples. Somebody says to you, I don't think there's a God. You say, well, what do you mean by God? Or somebody says, well, reincarnation was taken out of the Bible. It was in there. And you ask the person, what do you mean it was taken out? Another person says, all religions are pretty much the same. You say, really? In what way? The Bible's been changed over the years. You say, how do you think it's been altered? And then somebody else says, well, that's just your interpretation of the Bible. What's your question that you could ask them? What do you mean by only my interpretation? So he said, these questions are wonderful. They engage the other person. They're flattering because it shows that you're understanding, you're, you're trying to understand the person, you're interested in what they have to say. And it forces the person to think a little more carefully about what the person does mean. And it often uncovers some valuable information. So now you understand what the person means and it'll allow you to move to whatever next step you want to do. He said, be sure to pay attention to the response. If you don't understand it, just have another question. Something like, let me see if I understand you on this. And then feed back the view to make sure you got it right. So that's the first one. What do you mean by that? So he said, that lets you know precisely what's going on and what the person thinks. Next, you want to know why the person thinks that way. So here comes a second question. How did you come to that conclusion? Or what are your reasons for saying that? So that's important. It forces your opponent to give an account for his or her own beliefs. After all, the person who makes the claim has the burden of proof. So that's he says, you don't have to refute every tale that somebody spins out. You don't have to answer all their claims. It's that person's job to defend it. So he said, um, don't let yourself be thrust into a defensive posture when others are making the claim. They are the ones who bear the burden of proof. Why? Let them ignore their responsibility. So I wanted to hit that about two or three times in this podcast. I think that's so important. Somebody makes a claim about Jesus, about God, about Christianity, about the New Testament. If that person made the claim, Why do they believe that? What's their evidence? Where's their support? And you're not being mean or harsh or critical. They've made the claim. Let them back it up. Here's a third question that you can do. He said, um, once you understand what the person believes and why the person believes it, then you can move on maybe to a question that would challenge the beliefs. He says, that's more demanding, obviously. You have to be able to see a flaw. You got to pay attention to the reasons that they give. You have to ask yourself, Does the conclusion follow from the evidence? There must be maybe a a misstep in there someplace. And then how do you expose it? With a question instead of a statement. It says sometimes you feel a little stalled out. So Coco says, it takes practice, but you'll improve. And uh, so I like that. I thought that was important. So he said, maybe you'll be alerted to a weakness or a flaw or a contradiction. He says, there's no formula, but he says, when you see something wrong, point it out with a question rather than a statement. So Somebody may say when they're arguing for a pro-choice rather than a pro-life position, they may say, well, the fetus is a 
human being, okay, we'll, we'll agree to that, but it's not a person. Well, what do you say? Well, you could try to defend it as a person, but why not ask a question? What's the difference? What's the difference? A fetus is a human, but not a person. What's the difference? And by the way, there is no good answer. Nobody can exactly uh, tell what the difference would be between humanity and being a person. How about this one? Somebody says to you, hey, you shouldn't push your morality on me. You ask, why not? Because they're in a tough spot. They're going to have to somehow answer that without them pushing their morality on you. Somebody says to you, how can God exist? There's so much evil in the world. And then you you could just try to give a defense for God in a world of evil. But what if you ask a question? But if there's no God, how can you call anything evil in the first place? Oh, that's good, isn't it? Something else you can do is suggest an alternative. You can say, have you ever considered such and such? Okay, for example, if they say, well, reincarnation used to be in the New Testament. It got taken out. How about this? Have you ever considered the difficulty of removing something like the teaching on reincarnation? It got taken out of every handwritten copy of the New Testament in the Roman world by the 4th century. Wouldn't that be pretty hard to do? Somebody argues about there couldn't be a God if there's evil. You say, have you ever considered that the existence of evil is actually evidence for the existence of God, not against it? What if they say, well, the Bible is just written by men? Well, you could try to defend the Bible as divinely inspired, but you could ask a question. Well, if the Bible was just merely written by men, isn't that pretty hard to account for fulfilled prophecy? So I like that. I think that's really powerful. And Coco, toward the end of the chapter then, he says, uh, we need a lot more than knowledge in this 21st century. We, it's, just, it's not enough for followers of Christ to have informed minds. He says, we need an artful method. We need to combine knowledge with wisdom and diplomacy. And I like those two words. Wisdom is not just the words to say, but knowing how to employ them. And of course, diplomacy, again, is tact and carefulness. Says um, Coco says, we need the tools of an ambassador, not the weapons of a warrior. We need tactical skill, not brute force. And as he wraps up, he said, just asking these simple leading questions is just an effortless way to accomplish balance. You can advance the dialogue. You can help it head toward spiritual ends without seeming to be pushy. Questions are engaging. They get the other person involved. They're probing, yet they're friendly. So you don't have to end up with an enemy when you're done. And Kokel also says, this will keep you in the driver's seat while somebody else does all the work. I thought that was a good point. Uh, finally, as he ends the chapter, he said, most critics are not well-equipped to defend their own faith. I think that is hugely important to just spend a second on. Most critics are not well-equipped. I always think of Richard Dawkins. Uh, he claimed at one time that he didn't think Jesus ever lived, and somebody called him on it and said, why do you believe that? And he mentioned some historian he'd read. Well, the guy wasn't a historian. He was a German, uh, I think he was a German language teacher. And so later, Dawkins had to pull that back. So just because somebody has a PhD, has uh, years of experience doing something, written a book or whatever, most critics are really not well equipped to attack or defend their own faith. He said, many of them have rarely thought through what they believe. They've relied on slogans more than careful reflection. And uh, amen to that. I've done a talk about slogans out there and how misleading they can be and how we need to be prepared to uh, interact because thanks to 
Facebook and other social media platforms, people just throw out slogans. They think they've proved something. So he said, people have not really relied on thinking. They've just had their generalizations. So he said, just say, do you mind if I ask you a question? And you're off and running. So I would like to cover uh, Greg's book, Tactics. He's come out with a 10th anniversary edition. So I will do that in a future podcast. I haven't talked about it yet. Um, a couple of books that he mentions at the end here. Uh, Hugh Hewitt has a book, In But Not Of. That's a really good book. So uh, let me remind you again, the title of this one that I've just been going through this morning is To Everyone an Answer, edited by Beckwith and Craig and Morlin. And the, the list of authors is impressive, and what they say is wonderful. So I like this book a lot. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast, and uh, we'll have another one really soon. Okay, I hope you have a good day.